Faith's going to be giving her testimony. She is our most senior member. And uh, it's a pity the men couldn't hear that one. But anyway, I'm sure it'll be good. And uh, she would have a lot to say. Uh, she has uh, lived for the Lord for many, many years, for decades. And uh, has trusted in Him. Loves the house of God. It's been faithful to the house of God for all of these years. And uh, she will have a great story to tell. No doubt she'll spill the beans on Clifford and uh, dish the dirt there, I'm sure. And she'll be telling all kinds of stories, no doubt. <laughs> no, anyway, she loves Clifford and Stephen. Uh, they're two great sons for her. And uh, she'll not say anything derogatory, I'm sure. Uh, though no doubt she'll have something to say. Amen. I'll say no more than that. Amen. All right, come with me please this morning to the Word of God. Uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll read verse 20, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, Paul said, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. All of us, without exception, have various roles that we play in life. For many of us, our role may be as a parent, uh, or as a son or a daughter, maybe even as a grandparent, sometimes as an employer or an employee. In church, you may fulfill the role of youth leader or Sunday school teacher. You may head up mums and tots, maybe a cell group leader, maybe be the pastor or the oversight, worship leader. Singer, musician, on and on it goes. Maybe a missionary. Maybe one of the five-fold ministry that Paul spoke of. It's a gift to the church. However, there is one particular role that has been given by God and is highly influential. And Paul calls that role an ambassador for Christ. And so since Paul uses that term, then we need to see what the role is of an ambassador. Funnily enough, the role of an ambassador then is not much different to the role of an ambassador now. First of all, an ambassador is an envoy sent to represent his or her nation in a foreign land. Secondly, a delegate who speaks and acts on behalf of his king or queen, prime minister or president, his head of state. Or an authorized messenger who represents the will of his government and to make decisions on its behalf. And so an ambassador in a foreign country has got tremendous responsibility and can wield great influence for 
his nation and his head of state. So how does that correspond to us? Well, Paul says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ and his kingdom. Therefore, we are to represent Christ and his kingdom in a foreign land. And in a sense, this world to us is a foreign land. The old song says, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. <laughs> and so while we are a passing through, then we are ambassadors for Christ our King and for his kingdom. Now as ambassadors, our loyalty lies with Christ and with his kingdom. When it comes to choosing between this world and his world, there can only be one outcome. We must be loyal to Christ and to his kingdom. In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua said to the people, he said, I want you to make a choice today. I want you to choose who you are going to serve. You will either serve those on the other side of the river that you came from, Egypt, or you will serve the Amorites in this land. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Now he says, you've got a choice to make. Make your choice. And they said, we too will serve the Lord. And then he warns them about serving the Lord. And about withdrawing and going back from serving the Lord and serving other gods. He said, don't do that. And so they reiterated, they said, no, but we will also serve the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and he will despise the other. But he will have to make a choice because we cannot serve two masters. And so an ambassador is one who is faithful and loyal in representing his king and his kingdom. Secondly, we are to uphold the principles and the will of God and his kingdom. Now, the reason I say that is very simple. Because God's will and God's kingdom principles are often in conflict with this world. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world are vastly different, aren't they? And you don't have to be too long into the kingdom of God to realize how different it is from the kingdom of this world. A line is most certainly drawn in the sand. And once you cross that line and you're serious about it, you will know very quickly that there's a difference. The world says, be proud. God says, be humble. The world says, live for yourself. God says, die to self. The world says, take. God says, give. The world says that success is measured in how many people serve you. And God says, success is measured on how many people you serve. The world says, if you give your life, you'll lose it. God says, if you lose your life for Christ's sake, 
then you will find it. And so there is an entirely different outlook in the kingdom of God, a different worldview, a different way of life. It's not easy to hold and to uphold the kingdom principles in a world that's hostile to them. You'll certainly be misunderstood. Your integrity and honesty will for sure be tested. You will appear intolerant at times, uncompromising. In fact, there's going to be many times you will feel the odd one out because you are different. And you'll feel the odd one out in the office or in the classroom or on the factory floor or among your friends or even within your very family. Jesus is God's representative, was always at odds with this world, always, constantly at odds with people. The religious establishment hated him. The political elite were scared of him. They were worried about his popular uprising, as it were. Because he was a Galilean, the Judeans distrusted him. He was from the north, they were from the south. In fact, Nathaniel, who was a Galilean himself, said, can any good thing ever come out of Nazareth? And so, you find that Jesus is God's representative was always breaking taboos in order to show the kingdom of God in this earth. They said that he dines with publicans and sinners. Jesus took that as a compliment, by the way. What was meant as an insult became a compliment. And that's a lesson for us to learn. Because sometimes what people will say to us who's not in the kingdom of God will be meant as an insult. Take it as a compliment if it's for the Lord. You understand that publicans, that tax collectors were the lowest of the low? They were traitors to their countrymen. They were rip-off merchants. They collected taxes for the Roman government of their own people and pocketed much of it. You imagine how hated and despised they were when Jesus went and had lunch with them. Zacchaeus! Today, I must abide at your house. <laughs> hmm. But you see, he was taking the kingdom of God to Zacchaeus. The disciples had their own taboos. The Samaritans. When Jesus said he must needs go through Samaria, <laughs> they weren't too pleased at that. You not realize that any self-respecting Jew, including those early disciples, they would have walked miles, days out of their way just so they wouldn't even set foot in Samaria. And Jesus says, no, we must go through it. Because he had that appointment with that Samaritan woman at the well. And you know, when the disciples come back, you know, while getting food, and they come back, and here's Jesus in Samaria talking to a Samaritan and a Samaritan woman and a Samaritan woman at a well by herself. You understand that in their minds that's just wrong on so many levels. But Jesus was taking the kingdom of God to that woman. 
You remember him in the, in the house of Simon the Pharisee? And how that sinful woman, the Bible calls her, a prostitute, how she came and came behind and stood at Jesus' feet and wept and wept and wept until her tears were splashing the dust on his feet. And how she got down and she dried his feet with her hair and how she broke that alabaster box and perfumed his head and old Simon, the old Pharisee, sitting thinking, if this man was truly a prophet, he would know who this woman is. And Jesus said, Simon, I have a question to ask you. Because he knows the heart of every man. And he asked to give a little, kind of a little mini parable. Remember what he said? He says, there was a man and he had two debtors. One owed 500 denario and the other 50. And he says, he frankly forgave them both. And I says, which one do you think loved him the most? There's only one answer to that, wasn't there? I suppose he whom was forgiven the most said exactly. See this woman? Whenever I come into your house, you didn't offer me any water to wash my feet. That's what any self-respecting host would have done. He says, you gave me no kiss on the cheek. Since I come in, he says, this woman hasn't ceased to kiss me. Kiss my feet. Wash my feet with her tears. You gave me no oil to anoint my head. You should have done that. But you didn't. But this woman, she's broken her alabaster box. And because of that, because of her heart of faith towards me, her sins are forgiven. Her sins are forgiven. See, he was bringing the kingdom of God to that woman. And it didn't matter how many taboos he broke in doing that, as long as he was bringing the kingdom of God. Because he was God's representative. He was more than that. He was the son of God. But he represented the Father's kingdom, didn't he? And that's what we're to do to represent God's kingdom. Some won't like it. Some will have something to say. Nasty about us. Behind our back or to our face. But if we're bringing the kingdom, it doesn't matter. Sure it doesn't. We're his representatives. We are to speak on behalf of Christ and his kingdom. Is our language the language of the kingdom? Is our words representative of his words? You see, an ambassador had to speak the language of his king and his kingdom. He had to say something. And at what he said had to tally with his kingdom and his king and his head of state. When it comes to sharing the gospel of the kingdom, do we speak with authority and with confidence? When it comes to telling the citizens of this world about our kingdom, about God's kingdom, do we do that? Do we know how to do that? Do we know what to say? Do we know how to show someone in this world how to be a part of this kingdom that we belong to? Can we do that? Or is that just the preacher's job? Because most believers that go to church thinks that's the preacher's job. It isn't just the preacher's job. It's your job. Because you're an ambassador for Christ. 
And do you speak the language of the kingdom that you represent? We ought to. And we ought to know what to say. If somebody comes to you and says, I'm interested in your life. There's something different about you. What is that? Will you be able to tell them? Will you be able to share your testimony and then go to the Word of God and says, listen, this is why I'm able to be what I am today. Because you're an ambassador for Christ. Did you notice the context, by the way? Paul used the term ambassadors for Christ. Let's just go back to chapter 5 at just a moment. And let's just read the context of this. It's always good to know the context that things are spoken. Verse 18, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Warren Wearsby makes a lovely comment on this, and I'll pass it on to you this morning. He said that the Roman Empire, in the Roman Empire, there were two types of provinces senatorial provinces and imperial provinces. And he said that the senatorial provinces were provinces that had been subjugated by Rome, but had yielded it and submitted and were living happily under the rule of Rome. But he said the imperial provinces were different because they weren't peaceful, they weren't happy under Rome, and given half a chance, they would rise up and rebel against Rome. So he says it was into the imperial provinces that the ambassadors were sent in order to make sure that there was no rebellion and uprisings. So in a sense, Paul is saying that this world that we live in is an imperial province. And given half a chance, will rise up against God and rebel against God. Don't you know that this world is rebellion against God? Do you watch television? Do you read a newspaper? Do you hear on the radio? Do you check the internet? This world is in rebellion against God. And we have been sent as ambassadors into this world, not to make war, but to bring peace. To reconcile man back to God. That's our role as a believer in today's world. You'll have many other roles, but that is our role as a believer, as an ambassador for Christ in a rebellious world to try to reconcile man back to God. Now, haven't you noticed that whenever you go to do that, there's a resistance? 
that sometimes it can be a strong resistance or sometimes it can be a resistance that you get so far in conversation and then people back off, don't they? Because you're starting to hit some hot buttons in their life and they don't like it. And conviction starts to come and they like it even less. So there's that resistance. Why? Because in our hearts we're in rebellion against God. Sometimes it's open rebellion. We hear people speaking great words of rebellion against God, shaking their fist at the Almighty. But other times it's much more kind of passive and quiet, but it's deep in the heart. And when you ever begin to scratch the surface, then you find out that that rebellion against God is there. They do not want God to rule their lives. They do not want, as the Bible says about those who said about Jesus, we do not want this man to rule over us. And so here we are as ambassadors for Christ. And because we are ambassadors for Christ, Paul says we have a ministry of reconciliation. And we have a message of reconciliation. He calls it a word of reconciliation. The gospel is the word of reconciliation. Do we speak it? Do we share it? Do we say it? Over the next five weeks, we will have opportunity and God will give us opportunity to be ambassadors for Christ and to be able to share and to witness and to talk to others and bring others into the kingdom. That's a role that we've got. And so we have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a message of reconciliation. We have a mandate for reconciliation because God has made us ambassadors for Christ. We are, in effect, heaven's messengers. We've got a heavenly mandate. Glory to God. And then as ambassadors, we have the full backing of the king who sent us. We have all of heaven's resources at our disposal. And what resources they are. We speak, not in our name, but in the name of Jesus. We can act in the name of Jesus. And he has the power and the resources to fully back up what we say on his behalf. Now, whenever an American ambassador in a foreign country, say in Ireland, for example, whenever he speaks for his government and his president, he knows that the White House and his commander-in-chief has got the resources and the power to back up what he says. He's not just speaking for himself, not just speaking on his behalf, he's speaking on his kingdom's behalf. And that's the same as us. And God has got immense resources, and he has invested in you and me authority to go in his name and to speak in his name and to act in his name and to lay hands on in his name. 
He has given us that authority because we are ambassadors for Christ. The Great Commission still stands. Christ's blood still atones. And as long as it does, then we're in that unique position in this world as being ambassadors for Christ. Whenever you decide to share your faith with somebody and you feel nervous and a little anxious about what they may say or what they're, how they're going to respond or react to what you say and do, remember at that point that you are an ambassador for Christ. And if they reject you, they're rejecting him. Provided you're not going in a nasty way, but you're going in a way that is truly representative of Christ, then if they reject you, they're rejecting him. So don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. If you do it the right way, it's up to them to respond or to react. But our business is to go as ambassadors and to share and to talk and to witness and to encourage and to strengthen because that's what our mandate is. And then as an ambassador, the place where you occupy is to represent the kingdom that you come from. Say, so what do you mean by that? Well, many years ago, it isn't there now, but many years ago, there used to be the American consulate in Belfast. And it used to be in bygone days that if you had to make a, a trip to America, you had to get a visa. You could not go without a visa. And so you had to trundle down to Belfast to the American consulate, make your appointment and go in there. And whenever you walked through those doors, what you discovered was a little bit of America right in the heart of Belfast. Because when you walked in there, unsurprisingly, everybody spoke with an American accent. <laughs> and all around the walls were posters and photographs of the Rockies or... <laughs> Mount McKinney or the White House or whatever. And on the table were magazines and even some American newspapers like the Washington Post, etc. And you could almost imagine that behind in the office they would be serving up coffee and cookies. <laughs> and for those moments you were in there, it was just like being in America. And it was deliberately made that way. So that when you walked in there, you were completely in their control. They had the yay or the nay whether you were going to get a visa. And they like to make you know that in a nice way. And oftentimes your visa was rejected for maybe a silly little tick you hadn't put in the box. And you had to go away, had to make another appointment, come back in a month's time, try to get your visa. But they were quite tough on those things. So when you walked in there, even though you're in the middle of Belfast, even though you're from Northern Ireland, but when you went in there, that little bit there, you might as well have been in New York or San Francisco. Because that's what it's like for them. A little bit of America right there. So, in the place that we occupy, is it representative of the kingdom of God? Our home. Does it represent the kingdom of God? 
our church? Does it represent the kingdom of God? Our business, does it represent the kingdom of God? Our marriage, does it represent the kingdom of God? When people come into our homes, or if they come into our church, or if they look at our business, or if they see our marriage, do they see it different? Or is it just the same as the world around them? Or is there something different about ours? It ought to be, because we are the kingdom of God on earth, aren't we? We're part of it. And so when people see that, it ought to be different. There ought to be something of heaven in it. Christ ought to be glorified through it. And if he isn't, then there's a big question mark. Are we in the kingdom of God? Because if we're in the kingdom of God, then it will be seen in all of these and more areas of our lives. And that's what will make the difference. When people come into contact with you, it'll make the difference. They'll see there is a difference. Now, I'm not talking about a false difference. I'm talking about a true, genuine difference. So as ambassadors, do we represent the kingdom of God in a visible, tangible way that reminds people that we are living for something beyond this world and beyond this scene of time? Do people see that? Because that's what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. Romans 14, 17, you don't need to turn to it, but the Apostle Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's the three trademarks of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, why did he say that first part? For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Well, Paul was concerned because there was people who were coming out of, of pagan religions. And in pagan religions, uh, sacrifices and offerings had been made up to their gods. Animals were slain, they were cut up. Offerings was made unto their gods. After the offerings had been made, of course their gods couldn't eat it. Then it was sold in the marketplace. And Christians now who had come out of that lifestyle of paganism whenever they went to the marketplace and they saw that, some of them had a conscience, should I buy that, should I not? Should I eat that, should I not? That was offered on the editors. If I eat this, what's going to happen to me? So, so they had a conscience and it was troubling them. Now Paul says, listen, he says, I don't believe in idols. He says, I can eat that. It's not a problem to me. I have no conscience about that. It's just a piece of meat to me. I'll give thanks and ask God to bless it and enjoy it. But he said... If I'm with a brother and I know he's got a conscience about it, it's going to trouble him. And if I eat it in front of him and he eats it because he's seen me eat it, but he's got a conscience about it, to him it will be sin. So he says, for his sake, I'll not eat it. And then he goes on to say, and it says, listen, don't reduce the kingdom of God to eating and drinking. It's more than that. He says, don't get hung up on that. He says, don't let your liberty be a stumbling block for somebody else. Just at that moment, he says, do you do it privately? But at that moment, he says, just don't do it. Don't reduce the kingdom of God to eating and drinking. He says, what is it? It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the weightier issues. That's the thing that we should look to. 
Are you with me? All right. So there's the trademarks of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, a right standing with God. And once you get that right standing with God, your life will be eternally different. It'll change. And you'll know it's changed. And then you'll have the peace and the joy of sins forgiven. And of a new life in Christ. What better message have we got to take to this world around us? And Jesus in chapter 18 of John, when he's standing before Pilate, says that Jesus answered Pilate, 1836 of John, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So he's letting us know two things. That his kingdom is not from here. It's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. But, notice he says, but now my kingdom is not from here. He's letting us know that one day it will be from here. Because one day the kingdom of God will come to earth. And one day Jesus will rule on the earth. But until that happens, until that moment happens, Right now, the kingdom of God is within you. In Luke chapter 17, that's what he says in Luke chapter 17, 20 to 21. In fact, let's just read that. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should, would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. You are right now representatives of the kingdom of God on earth. If anybody out there is going to see the kingdom of God manifested in this world today, it's going to be through you. Not going to be a physical thing. It's going to be a spiritual thing through your life. So that's our role. To show the world the kingdom of God that is within us. One day it will be physical and tangible and material on the earth. And every knee will bow to Christ and every tongue will confess. And the kings of the earth will come and pay homage. And they better because they'll rule with a rod of iron for a thousand years. I'll let you know I believe in the millennium, but that's neither here nor there. But until then, we are the representatives. And so when we go about our business, among our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones, in our church, on the street, on our job, in the university, in the classroom, whatever we do, then we are ambassadors for Christ. What a tremendous influential position God has placed each one of us in. It's wonderful. Wonderful it is. So put your shoulders back. Lift up your head. You say, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It's what God's Word says you are. So start to act like it. And do it. And be that for the kingdom's sake and for Christ's sake. Amen? That's your God-given role in today's world. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you have given us this awesome responsibility.
For Lord, it truly is that you have called us to represent you in this world. Lord, help us to be the light. Help us to be the salt. Help us, Lord, to be your hands and your feet and your lips reaching out to a lost world and to show them the truth and to show them the way of life. So, Lord, we thank you for this responsibility and for the blessing of it and the joy of it. And, Lord, help us to see ourselves as ambassadors and then to live like ambassadors and to do only that which brings you honor and brings you glory. And, Lord, it will draw men unto yourself. So help us, Lord, to do that today and every day for Christ's sake and for the glory of God. In Jesus' name.